Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. I'm Brett. I'm here, as always, with my good friend Steve. Uh, Steve, how are we doing? Doing great. How are, how are you doing? I am doing well. Um, it's uh, Sunday again. It's time to talk about the Big Ten, and uh, let's uh, dive right into it. I think, as as has been the case for the last couple of weeks, I think we need to start again with the Purdue Boilermakers, um, who you know, just kept kept rolling along. Uh, they currently own the nation's 10th long active win streak, uh, and they added to it three times this week. Uh, so they picked up three wins over the course of the week, um, including two two road wins. Uh, and I believe there's they had another game of the year candidate in their uh, close win in East Lansing. And I think, you know, we have to talk about that at the start. I mean, it was another extremely dominant performance from Zach Eady. 32 points, uh, 17 rebounds, 13 for 26 from the floor. It really looked like he was going to set some sort of record. I think he took 18 shots in the first half uh, while Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith were uh, struggling with their shots. But Fletcher Lawyer came alive in the second half with a double-digit half, and that was enough to get Purdue past uh, a Malik Hall list now again, uh, Michigan State. But... You know, Tyson Walker had 30 points, and it was really kind of a duel between Walker and Edie down the stretch of that game, which made for some very entertaining uh, neutral fan watching watching of that game. So do you think that this is, again, Purdue just showing that it's better than everybody else? Uh, I mean, obviously, no Malik Hall really, really doesn't help uh, Michigan State. But I, what were your main takeaways from from that game specifically uh, in regards to both those teams? It's, that's an interesting way to frame the question because I don't know that I'm convinced that Purdue's that much like better from an X's and O's standpoint or like a talent standpoint than I mean anyone else in what's looking to be like a clustered Big Ten race. But what I can say with 100% certainty is that they are tougher and more battle tested um, and you know, make more winning plays than any of these other teams. You know, um, I, I think examining, you know, this Purdue team has been interesting, right? Because they've, they've been in a lot of close games, you know, early in, in conference play. Um, and, and they've won basically all of them, um, aside from the one against Rutgers that they lost at home. So, you know, they're, they're proving that they can win close games. But, you know, other than Edie, there isn't like a aspect of this team that's kind of dominant in one way or another. I mean, don't get me wrong. They are a very well put together team, you know, and, and foster lawyer, Braden Smith. I mean, great contributions that they get from them, you know, as young players, they Edie is producing with, I think impeccable, just like minutes production you know, he's strong from the free throw line. He's he's getting rebounds and he changes the game defensively for them. So the, the pieces are all fitting together nicely. But I think this game against Michigan State, I mean, Michigan State might be the, the quote unquote like toughest defensive team in the conference. And that's saying a lot, given that we have, you know, teams like Rutgers and Northwestern who are statistically really, really good at defense. But like go, going in there to East Lansing, you know, with this team, the way they muck up the game and slow it down. You're going in for a rock fight. And, you know, especially with the way Tyson Walker's been playing, he's, he is locked in and for Purdue to get this game. That, that was championship level. You make, you make a lot of good points. Um, and I think the, the big thing is that, 
you know, they were able to go into this extremely hostile environment and, and pull out a win, which like you said, like that's what championship level teams do. And I'm intrigued more so, um, you know, obviously, as you said, Edie is the most dominant force in college basketball right now. They're getting good contributions from their freshman guards. I'm getting worried about their supporting cast. I mean, it, you, you have multiple games where their other two starters are scoring fewer than five points a game. And, and you know, you, you can argue as a Purdue fan that, oh, well, they don't need it. They have three high contribute high contribution guys. Uh, Smith, Lawyer, and, and Edie are all over 10 points a game. Or Smith is at 9.9. Um, but So they're all scoring somewhat consistently. And But, I, I mean, there's going to be games when, you know, Edie gets into foul trouble. And we I don't think we've seen... Your Brandon, Brandon Newman, Mason Gillis, Caleb First, uh, Ethan Morton, kind of guys with Big Ten level experience really uh, play to their to their potential. And I, you know, when you look at why Purdue, why we don't, you we wouldn't consider Purdue dominant. It's because they're kind of they're really dependent on three main guys to to shoulder the load offensively and defensively. Yeah, and I, th- I think just the the last thing on them, you know. They, they may ride this to running away with a conference regular season title. I think, you know, Matt Painter's a good enough coach that, you know, he, he, he gets the most out of that roster. And I, I mean, I, I'll say it, I, I said it a few minutes ago and I'll say it again. Edie changes the game, you know, de- defensively for them. Like it, it teams, it, it, you know, but before you, you play them once teams have to adjust to just either not being able to go into the paint when they're driving or just learning how to, adjust over there like it takes 10 to 15 minutes a game for team teams to sort of adjust for that and and no one's got anyone in their scout team that can simulate that and so you know I, I think that that gives them an edge especially when you know they're they're playing teams for the first time in the year and everything but um the the, the question really with this program is going to be can they win in march and um I, I agree that i think a lot of your concerns are valid there um, and, you know, maybe having a guy like Edie to my last point, you know, helps them ambush kind of teams even more and makes enough of a difference on the defensive end. But I mean, the, the one thing about the, the Big Ten is like, look, there's some really, really tough teams, but th- there are some teams outside of the conference that might be able to that might have a decided athletic advantage over Purdue, just, you know, given their lack of like playmaking outside of Edie and um, that's where, you know, they are maybe susceptible to getting run out of the building early. But that's for a conversation later in the year. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily speak for you, Steve, but I think I think all indications are that we've been very impressed with Purdue. We think that, you know, they're very good. Uh, the class of the Big Ten right now, I just it's it's time to start thinking about, you know, what what could happen down the road. But for now, I would urge Purdue fans to to really enjoy the ride. Uh, it's been, been very interesting watching them uh, and noticeably how it's been different than, than how Painter approached the game last year. And it's been, it's been very fun to watch. Uh, speaking of teams in the state of Indiana, it's time to say good things about the Hoosiers again. Uh, Indiana is currently on a three game win streak going two and zero for the week, uh, notching a 15 point road win at Illinois uh, and uh, holding serve at home uh, against Michigan state. Um, I think that after, you know, a year or so of, of me yelling into the microphone on this podcast that they need to give Trace Jackson Davis the ball every single time they get it on offense, they're fine. You know, Mike Woodson has finally started listening to me. So I don't really know what else is separating me from being a, a full-time big 10 coach, 
But I mean, he's got back-to-back 30-point games, uh, and it's it's you know he's been super efficient from the field against pretty pretty large front lines, uh, especially against Illinois. Uh, and as he goes, the the team goes, and he's been having some really really good games. There's still you know you're still seeing the supporting cast not really have a lot of input. The um, three-point shooting was way better against Michigan State. They hit on nine for 15 and were only took nine against Illinois. And I think that's kind of been the driver. It's if they're working the ball into the perimeter and getting Jackson Davis involved on basically every possession, good things will happen. Um, and I think that that's a more sustainable and likely uh, style to get them you know, farther into the, the conference tournament, March Madness, than kind of what we'd been seeing at the beginning of the year. How would you, what would you say was, kind of the the uh fire starter to get them on this big turnaround yeah well i think you know we we said this last week right and we have to be careful not to get caught up in the roller coaster that some of these teams are going to have from week to week and just that you know i mean when when teams go on losing streaks they they get desperate and they play with a little bit extra oomph and then all of a sudden they're on a hot streak and uh, I, I would say that is certainly the case this week with Indiana. And, and, and I mean, you know, you're right. It starts with Trace Jackson Davis. And I think especially with just the injuries that, that, you know, they've faced, uh, he's put, literally putting the team on his back, you know, as a veteran player in this conference, he, um, he, he you know, who's a first team all conference type player. He's, he, it seems like he's literally just made the decision, you know, okay, I'm going to be dominant. And it's great to see that. Um, I, I don't want to overlook the contributions that they're getting from sort of guys filling in for players that are injured right now, you know, and Geronimo and Galloway, you know, have both been good this week. Tamar Bates hit uh, five of those nine threes that you talked about in the game against Michigan State. So, you know, they're getting contributions from the other guys. The, the one thing I don't want to let slip under the rug here. It, it, it's it's not substantial, but just a marginal improvement in the way they're defending. Um, I, I think, you know, also shouldn't be ignored. And I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with, you know, the, the fact that they've lost talented offensive players, but, you know, some of the guys that um, are replacing these talented offensive players, maybe are more kind of defense first strength guys. And I, I, I think that's helping a little bit. Yeah, you know, it was really, really surprising to see them go into Champaign and just completely dominate that game from start to finish. You know, and 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 some guys on Illinois, I think, didn't have their their best day on Thursday. But yeah, all of a sudden the Hoosiers are hot, and you know, we talked at the beginning of the year, looking like the team that you know is they finally looked like the team that we thought had a good shot to win the conference uh, when we first started talking about them at the beginning of the year. Yeah, no, I think I think you make a very good point about not overreacting. I probably was a little 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 hot on the on the intro there with Indiana, but yeah, I think uh, if especially if you're you're an Indiana fan, I think especially after that that three game slide against Iowa, Northwestern, and Penn State, you're where uh, you know that Penn State game especially was not very competitive. I think you're happy to see them back on on uh, the upswing, especially against two of the perceived stronger teams in the conference. And at, the, and at this point, who knows? But, uh, you know, the Hoosiers are back at four and four and, uh, you know, heading into a quote unquote lighter week. Uh, it's, you know, provides the opportunity for some real momentum there. The next team I think we should talk about is uh, Northwestern, who notably did not play any games this week. Uh, they were the first team in the conference to deal with a COVID pause 
where both their their games against Iowa on Wednesday and Wisconsin on Saturday were postponed. So the for for those unaware, the rule uh, regarding how COVID pauses were to be handled was changed in December of 2021. So now all the games are technically deemed postponed if there are not enough players or coaches. So they need seven players, I believe, and one coach available. Um, but there will be no forfeit as of now, as long as the teams can provide a valid reason uh, for why they need to postpone the game. Um, so they will have to, so they have, they've obviously done that. Um, but this is, you know, obviously throws kind of some teams into some weird scheduling things. And, um, but yeah, so it's, it, it is different. There's no longer a forfeit. Um, and I guess, I mean, we don't have to belabor the point too much. We talked about COVID God knows how much, uh, last year, but I mean, it does seem a little opaque to some degree, uh, considering the, the lack of at least public, public facing information. So I'm, but I think, I think this is the only way to really kind of handle it in this, the timing and in, in the time in which we live at this point. Yeah, and I don't necessarily have anything more to say just on the rules or like the policy with respect to, you know, how it's determined that a game needs to be canceled. But I think the thing I will say is the teams that this impacted, kind of all teams that are moving in different directions. I think we talked last week about how um, for, for the first time this season for Northwestern, it kind of feels like that they're on their heels and in, in need of a kind of desperate win. And they you know, now had to sit on that for about a week. So, um, you know, they'll have some opportunities. I think they'll have some good opportunities to get back on track next week, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, I I think that's a good thing to think about. And especially with respect to who's healthy too, it's a good thing to think about as Northwestern heads into next week. Um, And I think, you know, Wisconsin, we're going to talk about them in a second, but I think getting a little extra break probably doesn't hurt with, um, Tyler Wall kind of trying to heal up and get back as, as best as possible. But I mean, the, the team that this arguably impacts the most was the Iowa Hawkeyes who came in on a hot streak. You know, they they come in on a four game winning streak, did not get to play that game against Northwestern and, and then um, ran into a desperate Ohio State team um, at, at the end of the week. And, you know, I, I, I do wonder whether that uh, break kind of stopped Iowa's offensive momentum because even though they put up, I think it was like, you know, the mid seventies on Ohio state, uh, it, it did not feel like their offensive momentum carried over to, um, to that game. Yeah. And that's a perfect transition. I think, you know, we've been talking about how teams get really desperate and, and need to kind of come out of, of certain games with wins, uh, you could not, it could not have been truer for, for Ohio state, which, uh, was on in the midst of a five game slide, including a loss to Minnesota, a loss at Nebraska. Um, and all of the, all of their five losses had come by seven points or fewer. So it really had to be, uh, particularly devastating for, for the Buckeyes. And so then they, they come into this game against Iowa, who again, you know, a little bit of time off with the, with no game on Wednesday, but. Uh, and then the the Buckeyes offense just goes absolutely crazy. Uh, 1.3 points per possession, 93 points for the game. Uh, Bryce Sensabaugh continuing to show why he's likely deserving of a lottery pick uh, with with 27 points uh, on 12 shots, which is insane. <laughs> um, and 
you know, getting getting big contributions from from guys we really thought we'd have seen a little bit more from, like Isaac Likely. Um, Justice Suing notably moved to the bench, um, and they the Buckeyes went smaller, likely in a in a likely in a move to combat Iowa's smaller lineup as well. Um, but the the big thing was at the end of the game, Zed Key going up for a last second last second dunk as Iowa was desperately trying to foul him and uh, coming down badly on his knee. And I, I haven't seen any updates that, but uh, on that, but it, it was definitely not ideal for them. Uh, so we'll, we'll obviously be monitoring that. But I think, I think like you said, Ohio, like you've said in the past, Ohio state really desperately needed this one and was able to come out with, with a win. And I think a, in a game that I think is more, you know, Ohio state getting back on track than anything you can really fault Iowa for, except for general team defense, which is kind of a, a known issue under Fran McCaffrey. Yeah. You covered everything. All I'll just say is Ohio State, you know, on, on top of all the eye-popping stats in this game, Ohio State, State scored 50 points, 56 points in the second half of this game. Like, this this had bonkers offense. But um, I, I guess Iowa shooting 54, or 45% from the field is uh, is a bad offensive game for them. But, you know, they still – they struggled on the – they, they they turned the ball over 14 times. They gave up 12 offensive rebounds. They they clearly looked, I think, just a little bit off. Um, um, even though you know defense isn't their calling card. Yep. And then the last thing I think to cover before we hit the preview, uh, Wisconsin uh, got Tyler Wall back, and you know as luck would have it, actually won that game. Uh, shows like shows that you need your your best player to play well in the Big Ten. Um, he obviously looked looked very rusty. Um, and the Badgers actually also lost Max Klesmet. Uh, to a looked like it hurt a lot. It was not a vicious elbow. It was just a, a his face got in the way of, of someone's elbow in the post, uh, but he did not play the rest of the game. So that's a situation to monitor, too. But I think, you know, Wall obviously looked pretty rusty, but it was interesting. Just the batter's offense looked a lot more cohesive. Um, their defense was was more cohesive and they were able to shut down, relatively speaking, Penn State uh, from three, which is obviously how they've generated a significant number of points uh, this year. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously a three game slide is is not ideal, but it's, you know, good for good for their fans to see them back in the win column after a, a tough, close fought game uh, in Madison. Yeah, and I think just the only thing I'd add here. So I, I continually am impressed by Jalen Pickett's stat lines, just wherever he wherever he goes. He had 19, 12 and six in this game against Wisconsin. But the thing that I want to point out for everyone, especially as we track. Penn State's viability for a tournament bid is Jalen Pickett paid, played 40 minutes against the Badgers, all 40 minutes, and you just wonder with that minute load as we kind of get into the thick of things in February here, will that hold up and will he be able to continue to carry the team? I think it's also noteworthy that Stephen Crowell had 21 and 11 in the game too. Um, you know, Penn State's lack of size, at least in the post, I think continues to be something that plagues them. Um, and so, you know, again, I think um, we are all, I think, cheering for the Nittany Lions to figure it out this year and grind their way into a tournament bid. But I think we're we're starting to see some of the shortcomings of that um, that roster. So we'll see if they can kind of keep hanging in the ring um, as they start having to, you know, face tough tough opponents day in and day out. Yeah, I mean, I still think Micah Shrewsbury is doing a really good job given the lack of size. I think. That he went with an interesting strategy of just putting Evan Mahaffey at the five, uh, and and after Kebajai was just getting, you know, it was freshman on freshman on junior crawl was really taking advantage, um, and that 
that versatility kind of a five-man switching rotation really did kind of make a bit of a defensive impact so i'm interested to see if we see more of those kinds of lineups all right it's time for the weekly preview so i'll get us started um on monday there's a standalone game uh it is this the rescheduled Wisconsin Northwestern game that was supposed to be played this past Saturday, uh, so a two-day difference, uh, I assume, to get uh, everybody out of COVID protocols. Um, and so I, I think an interesting note is that there was apparently a, a dispute over the time of this game because Wisconsin has to fly to Maryland after. Uh, so the game was originally supposed to be at 2.30, but Northwestern fought and allegedly uh, pushed it to 5.30. So, you know, we'll see how that impacts Wisconsin down the stretch this week. But, I mean, the the big thing is we don't know what Northwestern's, um, you know, conditioning is going to look like. Um, I mean, this is a game that that is really important for them. Uh, and so if, if you know, if they can have Adij Bowie uh, and, and, you know, one of their big guys ready to go, I think that, you know, that will be it'll make it'll make them a viable threat. Um and, you know, just they're going to need bodies. And I think obviously we don't know who is impacted, but I think that, you know, this is a game that they that it could be a pretty big toss up. And it's equally important for both teams. You know, Wisconsin's going to want to get get started on the right foot, um, you know, kind of improve their net rankings. And Northwestern at this point is, you know, 12 and five, three and three in conference and is is starting to see wins kind of come at a premium. So I think that it'll be two relatively desperate teams and. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to I think Wisconsin can do it because they're going to be the healthier team pending the health of Max Klesmet. Uh And, you know, we'll we'll see how things get get started off this week. All right. Then on Tuesday, we've got two games for you. First off, Penn State heads to the rack to take on Rutgers. So Rutgers only played one game last week. They they lost in East Lansing to Michigan State. There's there's one obvious matchup, I think, that everyone's going to be watching here, and it's going to be. Uh, McConnell on Jalen Pickett. We just talked about Pickett and how great of a one-on-one player he is. Like, curious to see how kind of defensive player of the year candidate um, McConnell does um, guarding him one-on-one. I'd expect this to be a low-scoring, slow-paced game as we typically get with Rutgers, but curious to see how they respond. Um, after um, hanging with Michigan State for a little bit, but being um, but ultimately losing control of that game in the second half, um, our second game is Ohio State taking on Illinois in Champaign. Um, so, you know, Illinois um, uh, sort of looking to recover from uh, that loss that they just took at the hands of Indiana on Thursday. Um, you know, Ohio State, I really think a team that talent-wise Illinois should have their way with. Uh, but as we talked about, in, in some ways, Ohio State's the more desperate team coming into this, and they just kind of figured it out against Iowa, as we just talked about. Um, you know, I, I think w- what's exciting to me about this game is just guard play, right? Guard and wing play. You've got Terrence Shannon, you've got Justice Suing, potentially, you know, two exciting lefties going up against each other. You've got um, you've got sense and ball. You've got guys like Michael Mayer. Um, there, there's a lot of shooting and a lot of perimeter talent on the floor in this game. Um, and so, you know, that that's where I'm looking at. But don't overlook the big guys either. We'll watch for Zed Key's injury status. Uh, but him and Danger going up against it too. Probably a lot of off- offensive rebound opportunities um, in this game as well. I'd expect an up in court, an up and down kind of battle where there's a lot of 
plays made in open court as well. Moving on to Wednesday, we have Wisconsin again with short rest going to Maryland. Uh, you know, we haven't mentioned Maryland much this year, but they got a big home win or this this week, excuse me, but they got a big home win against Michigan and then they had a game come down to the wire uh, at Purdue. So they've they've definitely been able to string more consistent play together recently. And that's been spearheaded by by Jameer Young, uh, who's had some some really big games. He obviously Purdue kept him quiet today, but he had. Uh, I believe uh, he had 26 against Michigan. He had another 30 point game recently. So he's the engine that's really making this, this Terps team hum, so to speak. And, you know, that's going to be task number one for Wisconsin. So if Max Klesman's healthy, he's going to draw that assignment again. Uh, And, you know, we'll see how, how wall, the wall and crawl combination continues to function. It's another team that has a somewhat undersized front line. So I'm looking for, for Steven crawl to, to have another, another potentially 20 point game. Uh, and add to his hot streak. Uh, then we've got Nebraska going to Northwestern. Um, and again, a short week, short rest for Northwestern, but they have, they absolutely have to have this one, uh, in my opinion, um, if they're really going to be serious about making the tournament. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a game that they, they should win. And that, uh, yeah. So I think, you know, you're, you're looking at, um, you know, that, that, that slowing down Derek Walker in the post, uh, which I think Northwestern has had some success with with post defense and just making sure that that one of your guards is able to to kind of have a, a steady game and lead the team out there. So I think again, it's a game Northwestern should win, but you know we'll we'll we've we've heard that one before. So, uh, but I do like them to come out of that with a win. And then we have Indiana uh, going to Minnesota. Obviously, Minnesota can still be a pretty tough place to play, but I, I there's no reason that you know I mean that. Trace Jackson Davis shouldn't get a lot of opportunities. I think it'll be interesting to see him go up against Dawson Garcia, although Garcia did get hurt during the game against Michigan today. Uh, and if that if he's out, uh, then there's really no way for, for Minnesota to keep up. So I like Indiana big in that one. All right. And then Thursday's games, um, probably the best singular slate of games of the week. So first we have Iowa going to Michigan State. The Really the question here is can – Michigan State slow down Iowa's frenetic offense and pace like they've done basically to everyone else that's gone into the Breslin Center, whether they've won or lost this year. There there really isn't a good logical one-on-one defensive matchup for uh, Chris Murray on the Spartans so long as Malik Hall is injured. So I'd look for, you know, we're going to find out a lot about Chris Murray and his ability to carry his team to a win. Um, going in a going in there, you know, against Michigan State, who we know plays strong team defense. Um, in in the second game, so Purdue goes to Ann Arbor. Wolverines really really need this game. They're sort of floundering on the outside, looking in from an NCAA tournament resume perspective, um, and they have a quad one opportunity here. Um, as always, when these teams have met over the last couple of years, we're <laughs> we're going to be talking about the the matchup of the big man. Um, we talked about how successful Zach Edie has been at staying out of foul trouble. Um, will Hunter Dickinson be able to hang punch for punch with him um, and, you know, even potentially get him into to foul trouble too. That's really the only way that I, I think Michigan has a chance in this game. Uh, but, you know, I know we've talked about Fletcher lawyer a lot, you know, the Purdue's, Purdue's really good freshman point guard. We haven't talked as much about Doug McDaniel, who's, you know, now Michigan's true, true freshman point guard. I'm looking to see if he has big game potential in him to see if the Wolverines can get the upset here. 
All right, moving on to Saturday, uh, we've got Northwestern playing their third game of the week as they host Minnesota. Um, you know, just it's it's basically going to be the same thing uh, as with Northwestern or with with, with Nebraska. Northwestern's got to have this one; or they cannot suffer a bad loss. Uh, Minnesota, you know, they had a close game against Michigan today. You saw a big game from Jamison Battle, and but like we like last year, it's just this team is not talented. They can't play offense there. It's not a good offensive system. Really. I'm, I'm, I am starting to wonder about Ben Johnson's long-term viability as a coach. And if Garcia's hurt, it's even, it's even worse. Um, so I, I think Northwestern, it should, should be able to salvage this week with a, with at least two wins pending, uh, you know, how their game against Wisconsin goes. I am interested to see if they're, they're going to be a little fatigued, uh, coming off basically two games in three days. So we'll see. And then, uh, you you kind of in, in that same vein, you've got Wisconsin playing host to Illinois. Um, and you'd think that with Tyler Wall, this becomes a different game. Uh, he did not play. He missed their last matchup uh, in Champaign and the Illini pulled away down the stretch. Um, so I think, you know, we're looking at another interesting bigs matchup with Stephen Crowell going against the combination of Dane Deja and Coleman Hawkins. Um, and if Hawkins can obviously shoot effectively and, and run high post Pat, uh, run, run, you know, the offense out of the high post, you know, he'll be in, he'll be in line for a big game and Illinois could win, could win easily again. Um, but if Wisconsin's able to, to really keep the Illini in check in transition and make their layups, uh, they could, they could win this one too. So I think, I think you're going to be, see a very interesting stylistic matchup, uh, and it should be, should be the game of the day. Um, and then Maryland going to Nebraska, um, you know, just it's, Jameer Young and Dante Scott and Hakeem Hart and Julian Reese. And then just kind of hoping that you get something from, from some of the other guys. And then you can slow down Derek Walker and Sam Grisell. Um, I think, you know, we were kind of talking for a little bit about how Nebraska was really able to, to slow things down and kind of make teams grind out wins. Uh, they have not been besides their win over Ohio state. Uh, they've been, you know, losing relatively handily. So, um, I think it's about what we'd expect from your normal Fred Hoiberg coach Nebraska team. Um, but you know, I think they've got the tool they've got, they've got a one, two punch that, that can be dangerous at times. And that could be enough to, to beat Maryland if they come out, uh, cold as we've seen them do before. And then another, another good game. We, uh, we have Ohio state heading to Bloomington. Um, obviously I think the, the interesting matchup hinges on the the health of Zed key, but I'm also interested to see how the Hoosiers try and stop Sensabaugh um, because I don't really see. I mean, maybe you throw maybe you just throw Geronimo on him and, and you know, kind of hope for the best in terms of athleticism and trying to stay in front of Sensabaugh. But I'm looking for him to have a big game and also Jackson Davis to have a big game. I think that'll be there'll be a lot of points scored in that one, I think. And then finally, we've got rematch Sunday on tap for us uh, on Sunday with three rematches. The first of which um, Michigan takes on Penn State at the Bryce Jordan Center where dreams go to die. Um, in the first, Michigan won the first of these games in Ann Arbor. Uh, and a lot of Hunter Dickinson um, taking advantage of Penn State's lack of size. Um, early game on a Sunday, we'll see what type of crowd is there. Um, I'd expect a slow, low scoring game um, this close and going to come down to late game execution. Uh, we've got Michigan State heading to West Lafayette um, in a very, very sh- a quick turnaround of a rematch from the game that we just talked about earlier this week. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, 
Michigan State's toughness, you know, it it, it travels, but um, you know, I, I I don't know. I think the Purdue fan base will be riled up. Um, you know, that was an intense atmosphere that they faced in Michigan State. Um, you know, when they went, I I got a kick out of the the chance every time Fletcher Lawyer went to the free throw line. Um, so I'm ex- I'm excited to see what the Purdue fan base has to to punch back. Um, and 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 yeah, I mean, I think for Michigan State, like stylistically, I mean, their offense kind of lives and dies with you know Tyson Walker, Huggard, and you know a, a little bit of Joey Hauser at this point without Malik Hall. I mean, it, 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 if one of those guys doesn't play well, this this game might not even be close. So I'm curious to see what kind of punch Michigan State comes with. And then uh, Rutgers has an opportunity to avenge their early season home loss to Iowa when they go to Carver Hawkeye um, in the early afternoon on Sunday. Uh, this is the, the classic contrast of styles um, where you've got kind of the, the slow-paced, hard-nosed defensive road team taking on the, the home team with the flashy offense. Um, well, uh, um, again, just as, as Rutgers has an interesting – I think one-on-one matchup earlier in the week with their matchup against Penn State. I'm curious to see how well McConnell shuts down Chris Murray um, and to, to see how Iowa's role players, you know, who typically play better at home, will they be able to do enough to make enough jump shots to be able to get the season sweep over Rutgers, which these days is becoming really, really hard to do for anybody. Yeah, I think uh, we've definitely got an interesting slate this week, and I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Uh, if you can, any any uh, five-star ratings, subscribing, et cetera, et cetera, on wherever you get your podcast is much appreciated. Uh, feel free to shoot us an email if you've any if you got anything you want to us to discuss or want to yell at us. Uh, Big 10, the number, uh, hoopsweekly at gmail.com. And thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.